on America Can We Talk. I talk about election integrity, border security, healthcare freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. Coming up next, America Can We Talk with your host, Debbie Georgiatos. And hello and welcome to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatos. Today in our show, we're going to talk about an SPLC, that'd be Southern Poverty Law Center explainer on hate and California, lun California lunacy. Uh, Tina Peters joins me in studio. We're talking about restoring trust in the elections. And finally, Trump under assault and the GOP presidential hopefuls. And I cannot wait to tell you why all those stories matter to you. But starting out about California, I'm going to start with really the Southern Poverty Law Center. The Southern Poverty Law Center, you know, I, I always give credit to the left because they think of such nice names. The Southern Poverty Law Center sounds like, you know, genteel, southern, uh, kind of well-mannered and really kind, you know, kind of sweet southern thing. And of course, people dedicated to poverty. My gosh, these must be angelic people. So the Southern Poverty Law Center um, is an organization that is alleges itself to be designed to call out hate, to, to help the poor and the downtrodden. And so they've created for themselves kind of an, an image uh, nationally that is about the idea that they are just standing up for, and they do it on election issues, they do it in a whole host of issues. But what Southern Poverty Law Center did recently to a group called Moms for Liberty, and I'm going to ask Mr. Emilio to put that uh, slide up. I want to show you, this is the Charlie Kirk put out this tweet. I want to just leave that up there for a second, please. So, and the reason I'm doing this is this. I tell you all the time that the media lies to you. Southern Poverty Law Center lies to you. They try to present an organization that is Southern Poverty Law Center dedicated to help the poor and the downtrodden, the alleged minorities, and they put out a hate list. They put out a hate list that basically is all about the idea uh, that they're going to expose hate in our society and hateful people are bad, but don't worry, they're good. And so they really try to make people think, well, gee, you know, these people probably have no ulterior motives. They, they are telling us the truth about everything. And so if they attack a group such as uh, the group we're looking at right here, the Moms for Liberty, you know, they must really be a very, very dangerous organization, Moms for Liberty. So what has happened here is Charlie Kirk, the brilliant Charlie Kirk, uh, put this tweet out today. And what he, why we're talking about this this morning is, so, or today, Southern Poverty Law Center has a new updated hate list. And what they try to do is really manipulate public thought by describing organizations as they're, they're on their hate list, their list of organizations that are spewing hate. The one that they're attacking right here in this one has to do with what they're saying about Moms for Liberty. I happen to have met the founders from Moms for Liberty who are about the nicest people you could ever meet. But here's what Southern Poverty Law Center is saying. 
And this tweet you're looking at, and I'll read it for those of you who aren't able to see the screen, I'll read it. This is uh, Charlie Kirk's tweet from the Southern Poverty Law Center. He went to their website to look at their new examples of who they consider to be haters. So they, for example, quote something, and this is the reason Southern Poverty Law Center justifies calling Moms for Liberty a hate group, because they, here's a quote that they attribute and accurately attribute to them. Gender dysphoria is a mental health disorder that's being normalized by predators. I'm telling you, about 90% of America agrees with that. Moms for Liberty put that out, and they do really because they're trying to call attention to what's happening in America's schools, to call attention to what children are being taught in schools at very young ages that parents don't agree with and didn't even know about. Another one that they, and this was an example, what Southern Poverty Law Center is saying is because Moms for Liberty put up this statement that gender gender dysphoria is a mental health disorder that's being normalized by predators, that proves that Moms for Liberty is a hate group. Other quotes that Charlie Kirk chose to pick out, uh, the National Teachers Union met and drafted a proposal to replace the word mother with birthing person. This is insane and insulting to every mom in America. Moms for Liberty saying what I'm telling you 90% of Americans think or more than 90%. Another one, another quote, the Southern Poverty Law Center says, proves that Moms for Liberty is a hate group. Moms for Liberty wrote, or I guess they tweeted, I raised my children, the government does not. We do not co-parent with the government, which is that many parents have figured out why they're so active these days uh, in showing up at various uh, school board meetings and other parent meetings. And so, I mean, Charlie Kirk closed out his tweet by saying yes, Literally all the above quotes are treated by Southern Poverty Law Center as self-evident proof of how hateful Moms for Liberty is. And so what they're really, and Charlie Kirk's point, my point in doing this with you is, when you understand the mindset of the Southern Poverty Law Center, what they're basically doing is taking any position, any position that conservatives support, any position that attacks uh, or or disagrees with the left-wing ideology of this country and calling it hate. And the other reason I wanted to put up this tweet today, because Southern Poverty Law Center gets a lot of money. They have millions and millions of endowments. They have offshore accounts. These are people very, they're funded very well by the anti-American left. But the tactic they use, the tactic they use in calling someone who won't agree with them a hater is a tactic used by the anti-American left in this country across the board. When Hillary Clinton doesn't want you to agree with some organization, instead of laying out the details, the bullet points of what she, why she disagrees with that organization, she calls them haters. This is a left-wing tactic. And I'm raising it to say that between now and the elections of 2024, we're going to hear a mountain of, of assaults and advocacy for, or just accusations that various people are haters, they're part of a hate group, and you have to understand, consider the source, and remember calling someone a hater is a tactic, a tactic to manipulate your thinking, a tactic to encourage you not to think for yourself, not to learn the facts for yourself, but instead to believe what they are saying. I called this first segment today, Southern Poverty Law Center Explainer, that's what I'm doing, but I also uh, tied in, I called it CA Lunacy, California Lunacy. So you have Southern Poverty Law Center has an entire section on their website that is all about LGBTQ advocacy. 
I am not in this segment going to be dissecting the LGBTQ advocacy, advocacy. I'm not dissecting anything about the transgender movement. But I do want to show you what the, the California, the Democrat majority, California legislature, who they invited into the legislature and gave an award to just this week. So in California, there is um, a very a, um, organization which has been getting a lot of attention because they actually sought out and tried to become uh, a, a featured entity with the Los Angeles Dodgers. And it is a group, it's a transgender group, a drag queen group that specializes, specializes in dressing up as Catholic nuns. So these are men, anatomical males, choosing to dress as nuns and then advocating, putting out parade. Uh, they're part of parades. They put on parades. They put on public uh, displays of all kinds. And that group, the nuns who dress up, males who dress up as female nuns, that group was honored in the California legislature this week. I have a quick video. I don't know if we can even stomach watching all of it. But I want to show you what this group is, and then we'll come back. Uh, Sister Roma and her work uh, in the community. And Are you ready to piss off some Christians? <laughs> and I'm proud of California for standing strong. Uh, <laughs> uh, to support uh, LGBTQ people. Uh, okay, the liquids are coming out. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> <laughs> Remember to clean up after yourselves. As our community is under assault uh, in the rest of the country. <laughs> Pain slut Jesus, everyone. I can hear So proud okay. of... Uh, can you hear me? Yeah, cut off. Okay. I, I didn't want to play the whole thing because I don't want to glorify them. But this group that was being honored by the Democrats in the California legislature, uh, the, the ringleader guy who is mentally ill, so he dress, likes to dress as a woman, uh, calls himself Sister Roma. And what you just saw was one of the displays that Sister Roma did in public as part of a parade, part of entertainment, is to be dressed as a Catholic nun and to engage in flogging or whipping someone who's playing the role of Christ someone who's playing the role of Jesus going through the crucifixion. And, and they actually, if you caught the language in the very beginning of that little uh, video, they start off by saying, are you ready to, I don't even like saying the word, but pee off it's Christians. That's what this, this, they started their presentation by doing. The presentation included, not at the legislature, but included in public many, many times, they advocate for what they do by mocking Christianity and having this person, this Sister Roma, who's a leader of it, actually be imitating the flogging of Jesus Christ during the crucifixion. And, and openly begin their programs talking about, let's make Christians mad. And I'm raising this to say, this is the group of all the groups they could have possibly chosen to honor in the California legislature. The Democrat majority in that legislature chose to honor them because, say they, Sister Roma raises money, raises money for good causes. So, such a good, swell person. She raises money for good causes. And no, I'm not going to say she. He raises money for good causes. And this is why, of course, we must be honoring him. So the good news, I will tell you, which was a little, at least a tiny bit of good news, um, was that the Republicans in the legislature in California walked out. 
I mean, they actually found the courage to walk out. One of them put out a statement just saying, I think we could have found better groups to honor here today than someone who engages in this kind of entertainment. But when I tell you that the anti-American left is not just trying to allow more freedom of speech or more freedom of communication, it's not that. They are profoundly at the core of the anti-American left, not simply on, a, on the different side of the aisle with understandable political differences. They are openly encouraging the mockery of Christianity, openly encouraging. And when you think when you're a child in California, if you're ever paying attention, you think, wow, the legislature had Sister Roma. She must be doing good things. She must be a great role model. Meanwhile, it's a guy dressed as a woman. There were tons of pictures I could have shown of you, shown you at this presentation in the California legislature that was all of these elected Democrats standing there just so excited they could hardly stand it, hugging Sister Roma, hugging the whole slew of men dressed as women in bizarre costumes, you know, purple hair and painted white face and just, just bizarre on, on every imaginable level. And these leftists could not wait to get on camera showing that they were hugging these people. They were just so excited. They were embracing them. They just thought they were the coolest thing ever. And again, today I'm not getting off on the whole transgender issue, LGBTQ issue. We've talked about it before and the, and the historical roots of transgenderism and the advocacy that goes on. But when people tell you that the Democrat Party today is really beyond just, they're, they're not just advocating the other side of the aisle. They are advocating against, they're standing up for, they're celebrating organizations that mock Christianity, that mock, and, and I'm not Catholic. I didn't take some perf personal offense because they dress up as nuns. These are people dedicated to mocking Christianity, which would not be tolerated were any other religion being mocked. And one last point about the gray state of California. In California, you have a massive debt. In fact, I looked it up. Their place in debt, and they are the fifth most in debt, debt state in this country. They have the fifth largest debt of any state. Total liabilities, debt that California has, 362.87 billion. So they're in the hundreds of hundreds, they're $362 billion in debt. They have an out of control homeless problem. They have businesses streaming to leave California. I, I really, I felt for the women of San Francisco because Nordstrom, one of the women's favorite shopping places, moved out of San Francisco. The streets of San Francisco are disgusting, filled with human feces, human waste, needles, drugs. The, it is like a third world war zone. This is a state that the, this government, this legislature presides over massive debt, totally irresponsible spending, homeless, out, homeless situation, out of control, out of control, and people leaving, not just businesses leaving California, but people leaving California every year. For many years, the population of California grew and grew because, let's face it, the beaches are pretty darn awesome, and they are pretty darn awesome. But the, the state itself is governed by people who are so irresponsible, so left-wing, so dedicated to their idiocy, they can't figure out. They can't figure out how to fix it. They can't figure out how to fix anything. And you know what's kind of interesting? People leave California. They're voting with their feet. 
They don't like the high taxes. They don't like the failure to control and maintain and, and make a quality of life for citizens. They don't like anything that's happening there. And all the legislature can think to do was dig in more deeply. And on the subject of literally voting with your feet or kind of voting with your dollars, you know, the American people have very little capacity to weigh in on all of this LGBTQ advocacy. Parents try to speak up against it at school boards. They say, please stop teaching our children this. Parents try to. But, you know, the way people can advocate for, they, they don't want to have the, the transgender agenda crammed down their throat. They can move out of California, but they can also stop buying Bud Light. And they can also stop shopping at Target. And both organizations, Anheuser-Busch, as well as Target, I mean, I keep thinking, I'm, I bring papers with me to the show to report to you how, how low their sales are, how their, their sales are well, worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And every day what I bring, the previous day what I brought was outdated. And I'm telling you that to say the people are voting in the ways they can. They're saying we don't want this garbage thrown at us. We want you to stop doing this. We don't want to shop at Target because we don't want you selling women's bathing suits that accommodate ma male genitalia. We don't want that. We want you to stop acting like you can't figure out there's men and there's women and that's it. So the, the ways American people can vote, they can move out of California, which they're doing. Businesses can shut down because it's a lawless state. They don't enforce laws about theft. They have a, you know, a kind of protect the criminal and who cares about the victim mindset in the laws in California and in the district attorneys across the state. You have people leaving because we can't afford to pay the taxes there. And all the legislature is not reading any of those signs. They're not figuring any of that out. They're not addressing the debt. They're not even thinking about addressing the debt. They're thinking about how can we celebrate yet another obvious mentally ill perversion of Sister Roma prancing around a man dressed as a Catholic nun who engaged in the entertainment of engaging in the mocking and the actually what trying to replicate what did happen to Christ Jesus during the crucifixion, the actual flogging, and that to them is entertainment. That party has no place leading any state in this country. And that, my very fine friends, is the end of my way past first five. Okay, it's past the first five, but you had a lot to say. Okay, but the rest of the show, we can be, we have a great guest joining us. I tell you, I just found out yesterday that she was going to be in Dallas, and I was a little bit past persistent trying to say, hey, you're already, you're here, you got to come on the show. But Tina Peters is here in studio with me, and I'm sure you recognize her name, and many of our listeners do. She's joined us several times in the past. Uh, she's a Colorado resident, and she is a former, uh, she was a county clerk in Mesa County, Colorado, and was really among the very first people trying to speak up about the potential danger of electronic voting machines and the potential outcome or potential for those machines to be rigged or manipulated and end up changing election outcomes. She made national news as she spoke up about that. Uh, she's in the middle of a lot of things uh, going on still related to that incident from uh, her time in Colorado as the county clerk. Uh, and she's also become a nationwide advocate for just uh, truth in elections and restoring trust in elections. So, and, and she ended up being prosecuted uh, by authorities in Colorado over doing nothing wrong at all. But I'll let her tell that story. And welcome to the show, Tina Peters. Hi, Tina. Hi, Debbie. It's nice to be here again. Uh, great friend. I love what you're saying about uh, these these names they call, these nice names they call things. I, I've experienced that myself with a trusted build that was thrust on our county. 
Yeah, you know, you should, I mean, I know what it is, but quickly tell what Trusted Build is, <laughs> if you would. Well, when uh, in 2020, uh, our county's conservative, we won the election for Donald Trump, which was amazing. But, uh, but people still were suspicious. I was not. I, I was over the uh, elections department, and I thought I'd, I'd run a great election. It wasn't until April 2021 when I pulled the results of the, uh, the city council election, if you can imagine, a local election, municipal election, that I realized there's no way those people won. And that's what opened up the, uh, the, uh, the searching to find the answers. The, it, it exposed the paranoia of the Secretary of State, radical uh, Democrat Secretary of State. Funded by George Soros. Go funded ahead. by George Soros and the, and the Secretary of State, um, uh, they, they had a project uh, where they started funding Secretary of States all across the country. And we've seen the Secretary of State <coughs> position uh, be cheated Literally, we've seen it happen. Um, part of America First coalition that has that is in touch all across the United States with, with other Secretary of States that were candidates like myself. So um, I, when I hear you say these nice names and I hear trusted build, that was a uh, what they called a procedure that they came into my office and actually deleted 29,000 election records, vital election they records. They it being. This Dominion. was the Secretary of State. Oh, okay. And there were Dominion employees there, but the Secretary of State, uh, her office came in and actually, and the reason we know that is because we took a backup image before they came in and another image after they left. And when we compared it, we found we found the uh, the evidence of that. Tina, I know even over this a couple times in, the, in other shows you've been joining me, but in case we have uh, people who weren't, uh, didn't tune in, first of all, if you are listening, Go back through our website, americacanwetalk.org, and you can find other times Tina Peters has joined me on the show because she's spelled out in great detail, which I don't want to review all of it today. But to quickly jump in, I want to, so in the election that caused your, to, you, you, it drew your attention because it seemed unlikely to have any outcome. It was a city council race in Grand Junction. And a city council race where you had, um, Four seats open. Was that four seats open? And it's in Grand Junction. It's something like eighty percent Republican. Well, it's usually a 60, 60, 65, 35. Okay, sixty-five thirty-five. Okay. And and these people were uh, what I call the uh, Biden basement syndrome. The the people that won did not go, get out there and campaign. Uh, people didn't. The the uh, uh, citizens did not know them. They had just arrived on the scene. One still wore a mask, even when we weren't, we didn't have to. Um, they were obviously not the favored candidates, and the favored candidates actually went out and campaigned, and the people loved them. So when I pulled those results that night, Debbie, I, I, I got sick to my stomach. I said, "This, this is not something's wrong." Yep. So um, this is again April twenty-one. And I did not realize the fact you just said, so the trusted build actually occurred with the Secretary of State's staff, not probably not her personally, but Secretary of State's staff coming in and, and you had, or there had been a forensic image taken of these machines before and then after, so you could actually compare them to figure out that during the trusted build, things changed inside the machines. A trusted right. build was supposed to be kind of an accuracy test, right? Confirming well, everything no, it's was an okay. update. An update, an update, okay. an update, you know, we, we pay $100,000 a year for this update uh, to the election management system, which you would think would update it, but actually there are no safeguards in the system. They're very porous, easy to break into, and we've proven that. So when all this came out in August, 
uh, I was flown for fear of my life, flown to here to Texas. And uh, a week later, my hotel room was broken into. So I was here in Texas. Here in Texas. And this is August of 21. This is August of 21. <clears throat> I was flown to Texas. Uh, and a week later, my hotel was physically breached. And I had 24-7 security after that. They were, they were fearful for my life. They still are. Um, but I, you know, I mean, I, I believe God, you know, what God, God brings you to, he'll see you through. But they were, uh, yeah, they, they, the first report came out in uh, a month later in September. And I back then I went and, and uh, that's where we found out they had deleted 29,000 vile uh, election records. And two more reports came after that. Yeah, these are the famous, uh, in fact, they're still linked on our website. Or if they, I could refresh that and link them again, but they're uh, Mesa County Report 1, 2, and 3 are three different reports that were done by experts looking into uh, contrasting the forensic image of the machines before and after this trusted build. And the, those uh, Mesa County Reports 1, 2, and 3 were written by experts who studied what you have been able to uncover. So you have expert information about what's in the web in the machines before and after the trusted build. Experts look at it. They produce Mesa County Report 1, 2, and 3. And I know uh, on one show, I there's a great summary written of what's on expert uh, on report number 3. It is a report where even if you're not very uh, technically savvy, which I'm not either, but re Mesa County Report number 3, you can make your way through it and realize what it's saying, that there is irrefutable evidence of things having been changed inside the voting machines. Yes. So you got an award from the state for <laughs> uncovering that, right? No. I certainly did. And, and you know what's interesting, uh, just a segue when you were talking about Moms for Liberty, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, so do these globalists, these Marxists that, that want to take over our country, is it is it moms or is it liberty? And I remember you'd invited me to come here to speak at the Women for Freedom uh, conference and the DA who was going after me uh, said that was the most disturbing travel request he had gotten when I when they were going to uh, let me go to you and when they were going to let me go to the premiere of my, of my movie Selection Code that's on my website Tina Peters uh, us but I remember <laughs> I'm thinking to myself because you invited me to come to that and I'm thinking to myself so is is what they're upset about or against women or freedom. You know, this makes no yeah. sense to keep to keep someone from from uh, you know prevent the travel. So I was sequestered in Colorado for over a year now. I just basically they just let me start traveling outside of Colorado. So what do we do as humans? We adapt, right? So I just started. I I, I have my own show now. I started being on Zoom and and you know different um, other people's shows. And then then the DA was whining and said, well now she has her own bully pulpit. So I guess they figured they can't shut me up. Yeah, I mean, they're actually, it is really very telling because what they're saying is you, they don't want you out there speaking the truth or speaking, even if they would say, well, maybe it's not true what she's saying. If you're out there telling untruths then they have no power and, and, and you would, you would, you would be exposed. They would expose it. They know what you're saying is the truth. And they just, this is what they want more than anything is just to shut 
you up, to shut up people who don't go along with the left-wing narrative. I want to be sure for our listeners how to find, I know you mentioned Tina Peters US. TinaPeters.us. Dot US. Okay. Can we put that Chiron up? Just, okay. So it's TinaPeters.us. And um, she also was, as I mentioned, the former Colorado, a Colorado um, County clerk. There's, and I, the reason I wanted to have it up is TinaPeters.us. At your website there, you can link to the films that are, that, and I want to have you talk what's in those films, and then we'll talk about Give, Send, Go. Okay. Uh, so in the in the, the documentary, and there's a trailer that Larry Logan did uh, of me. It's about a one-minute trailer that people can watch and see if they want to watch the whole uh, hour-long documentary. Uh, and in that, because what happened when the first report came out, uh, Debbie, is the, uh, it, that showed there were 29,000 election records plus other things that were deleted. They said, well, those aren't election records. Well, yeah, they are. According to statute, they are the uh, access and audit logs that must be uh, preserved by me, by me as the clerk t for 25 months in Colorado and 22 months federally. So the Secretary of State uh, and her employees actually uh, committed a crime by deleting my election records. Okay, I want to jump in. Access and audit logs that you're, you are required by law to maintain means it is, the, it is the logs that someone later could look and say, well, who accessed these, correct? That's right. So what they the deleted system. was the capacity to understand who had logged in. Yes, and, and I reasoned the reason that I even uh, did a backup a before and after image is because they'd already told me, Debbie, that they were going to come in and delete a QR code program. And I, and I reasoned, I said, you know, if they delete that program, this is six months after the, the general election, the 2020 election, and, and barely a month after the municipal election, what if I was ever called upon by the people? Because it's the people that I serve. Isn't that, isn't that amazing that an elected official, we expect our elected officials to do their job. And I, I reasoned, I said, if, if, if they delete that, how am I going to, uh, if I'm ever called upon to do an audit of the election? So I remember the first thing I said to the cyber guys, the first thing I said was, okay, so um, we, we can reinstall that, right? And he goes, yes. And that was the whole reason, had no idea until August when the information started coming out what we actually had. It, it is staggering. It's staggering. I mean, you really, um, you know, it's, in fact, someone called uh, Mesa County Report Number Three the um, the translation. It, it's the it's the Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone. Yeah, the Rosetta Stone. That is so uh, illustrative. It's a great expression. So back to your website uh, again, Tina Peters uh, .us. The selection code trailer is there. A selection code it was a and great film. Um, sorry. And the movie. The and the movie. A great, great film to watch in case if you really want to get behind just the headlines and people spewing things out and, and bullet point talking points, you can watch the film and understand much more. The selection code. There's one other thing that's at your website, at least. Tina Peters there's, US. Well, there's my, my I, the Tina Peters show now. Uh, where I'm interviewing wonderful people. As a matter of fact, when you were talking uh, and, and talking about Democrats, uh, it's people that want to destroy our country. And I had Natalie Beisner on, and she was an avowed atheist, a woke Democrat, and, and saw the light after, after COVID and uh, what they were doing because she didn't line up with their marching orders. And so she was just on my show this Monday. But... Um, so you can see my shows. You can see that you can you can donate. Um, you can pray for me, uh, which is really important. But the but then in October, and so all three reports are on there in October. So that was September, 
October, we came out with the second report. Second report showed there were 36 wireless devices. Well, by say law, say 36. Say it again. Wireless devices. So by law, these machines and the, and the statute says that they have to be in a standalone fashion. They cannot be certified yep. if they have the ability to connect to the internet. So there were 36 wireless devices discovered in the machines. Meaning they have capacity to connect to the internet. Yes. And they were not permitted. You're not yes. supposed to be zero. That, that's right. That's yeah. right. As a matter of fact, this 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 year, uh, I was at the Capitol uh, um, wanting a bill, voting, uh, asking people to vote for a bill, the legislators, to take the wireless devices out, Debbie. I mean, they're not even supposed to have wireless devices in them, and right. they voted no. They voted no. There was a woman. There was a woman from Brazil that was sat that was testifying. There was a long line of us testifying, and she was crying. She was sitting there with her glasses on, mopping her tears, and from Brazil, and said, "My family, they're being persecuted. They're being threatened. They're, uh, and it's all because of these machines. Please, please take the wireless out. Listen." listen to us so what was the reason given by uh the people who voted i mean did you hear any explanation why they would vote against taking the wireless devices out of the voting machines no no when the conservatives that wanted them to be taken out wanted to vote yes to take them out of course they were a minority because of the selections and i can get into that uh, uh talking about the third report they didn't give a reason they, they didn't even look at us in the in, in the face yeah and while she's sitting there crying up on the big screen crying mopping her tears they're sitting there with their burritos and their food i said looking at their notes yeah. yeah no contact nothing and then they voted to leave it's the like they didn't devices. care what the facts were they don't care. they didn't yeah they didn't. so also your other website and one more time if you would please mr millie on that chiron i want to make sure people see the other thing that you uh, want to draw your attention to is givesendgo.com uh give send go is what conservatives have to use uh get to use but givesendgo.com slash tina peters you can go there and the reason that we were talking about this is you know as we talked about last week i think when we had on um someone who's being uh, a victim of lawfare in texas because she and her husband and others decided to ride along the trump tra they were in their own lane in their own vehicles trump train riding next to the biden bus and they were honking and waving trump flags and the biden team got offended because no one's supposed to agree with disagree with them no one's supposed to challenge them so this poor couple in texas a woman's name is joey lynn Macero. Maceros. And she was saying, you know, th these are just a very simple, pretty much non-political family who got excited about Donald Trump, kind of liked him, and engaged in a little bit of First Amendment protected speech, riding along, not endangering anyone, not breaking any laws, waving a few flags and, and honking and basically showing support for Trump, riding next to the Biden bus. This was during the campaign of 2020. Their entire retirement savings have been drained, having to pay lawyers to defend them in this litigation. This isn't even a criminal prosecution, but it's litigation. So back to you, Tina Peters, you're the victim of, recipient of criminal prosecution. And so you have to pay lawyers. I mean, I, mean, I wish they could all work for free, but obviously they have, to, they have to be paid. So this is one reason you've got to be raising money. Yes. Uh, yes. Thank you for that, Debbie, because here's the thing. Our, t our tax dollars go to pay for the people that prosecute us through this, this criminal uh, enterprise. So we have to depend on brave uh, attorneys that are uh, that are not afraid of retribution, that want America 
uh, to succeed because these people want to take it down. So, so after the so after the second report came out, Debbie, I they, you know, and, and they said, well, yeah, but you haven't showed us how they've how they have uh, switched the votes or how they have stolen the election. I said, I told the cyber guys, I said, okay, I want you to go, I want you to audit, check out the April sixth municipal election. And sure enough, that's report number three. So people can watch it on my website, selectioncode.com. It explains exactly how, when the ballots go in, how the image is changed. And we know this because the fingerprint, the Shaw file, is gone when it shows the second set of books. But so fast forward, I was I was um, told by the, or mandated by the Secretary of State that to sign this 10-page MOU. And in that memorandum of understanding, yeah, memorandum of understanding, if um, that I would recant, uh, recall, and repudiate something like that, I would take back what I said on Facebook Live that these machines need to be more transparent to the people and not be allowed to do what they're designed to do. When I didn't do that, and that I would agree to use uh, the, this vendor. And when I and it doesn't matter if it's Dominion, Heart, Heart Inner Civic, it doesn't matter. These are computerized systems that you don't know what's going on inside of. And we've we've been able to because of this to see what's going on inside. Um, and when I wouldn't sign it, she went to a judge and she said, "See, judge, she's gonna she's going to break the law." And they took me out of office, which is illegal. There's been so many things done to me, which is illegal. The only way you can remove an elected official, another elected official can't remove. She's The Secretary of State is not my boss. Right. She uh, cannot remove you. you yeah. Uh, and the only way you can remove it is by a recall by the people. But nevertheless, they've continued to break laws. So right now, uh, that was in... That was in February, uh, an indictment came out. Um, 2022. 2022, March, I was, um, I was uh, put in jail. They, uh, they basically framed me on a, uh, because in November, let me back up. So first report came out in September, October 2nd report. Third, uh, uh, November 16th, I was raided by the FBI. The next day, my husband, who was in a nursing home with advanced dementia and Parkinson's, we were talking on the phone on FaceTime. He says, honey, I think I did something wrong. I said, what'd you do? He's like a child. And uh, he says, I signed something. He had signed a divorce decree. I found, I didn't know that at the time. I found out a month before our 35th wedding anniversary, the next month in December, that I was divorced. All my veterans benefits, I had no more rights to my husband. I had the power of attorney for everything. It was taken over. So, so. Does it appear the FBI was the one who gave your husband this divorce decree to sign? Do you know? Well, we, we have our suspicions. I went to our uh, family attorney, and he said, uh, I've, been, I've been told he was going to help us. And then he said, the DA called and said, don't help her. She's under investigation. Oh. This is a small town. I mean, you, have, you, you know, these people get along with each other. So, um, so right now I have seven felonies. Uh, in uh, three misdemeanors, and it is coming up in October, the trial. So you're right. I need to raise funds for my defense. Um, and, and But here's, here's the important thing. It's not about me. It's about um, if they can shut me up and they can make an example out of me, Debbie, if they can say if you ever, if anybody ever says anything about the election, this is what's going to happen to you. And I know a friend of mine travels around talking about election protection, around the country and election transparency. And he said, Tina, everywhere I go, 
when I talk to these clerks, they say, we don't want to be Tina Petered. I'm a verb now. Oh, yeah. And, and so, but, but we have to understand if, if they're allowed to get away with this with me, this is, this, this is what they want. They want to, I, I've been called a sacrificial lamb by these people. Uh, and, and basically that's what it is. They want to, they want to take me out. So you've had, I know you had one kind of mini trial over a couple of misdemeanors and the big trial is coming up in October. And you know, you were exactly right, Tina Peters. They're not just trying to quiet you down. They are trying to quiet you down, but they're trying to send a message to all of America and especially to elected officials in similar positions that you were in, county clerk, any election position in this country. Don't even think about trying to claim or acquire proof that shows that our elections are possibly compromisable, that the, that the electronic voting machines are not secure. If you even think about, and especially if you talk about, you might be Tina Peters. And, and this is, well, it's a, the analogy, I, I, the people I mentioned a moment ago who are, you know, the, the uh, Trump train, we had a few weeks ago before that, we had people on the show who were in Washington on January 6th, literally did nothing. I mean, literally, stood on the Capitol grounds, physically outside in the grass, never tried to go in, praying for the country, praying mm -hmm. for Trump, and they are facing decades in prison. They're going to trial this August in just a couple of months. And the message isn't really to them, it is to all of America, when the, these tyrants who have taken power in this country decide, we get to say what's true, we get to tell you what you can say, and anyone who challenges us, you just might end up the rest of your life in prison. It's, an, it's a very chilling and very intentionally chilling message. You will shut up. It is. And you know, it's, it's interesting because as an elected official, the people elected me to to preserve their 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 uh the election records for 25 months in colorado 22 months federally and i was doing my job i was doing yeah. my job and you know what kind of what kind of society do you want do you want one where your elected official is afraid to stand up what kind of what kind of society is that going to create where you have people that that refuse to run for office that leaves it open open season for the corruption to continue to spill in and i always say every time i speak I say, you know, there's more of us than there are them. There may be 500 of them out there. You know, there's there's millions of us, and we have to stand up. We have to go to our capital. We have to uh, get involved in the process. Right now, I have I have friends that right here in Dallas that are presenting a better way to count the ballots under cameras, uh, with under cameras using just a non-computerized uh, counter. Uh, so, so if you were if you were running for office and you said, you know, I, I think I won. I want to go back and look at it. It's all in video. It's all yeah. recorded. Yeah, I want to dive into deeper yeah. into that what you're talking about because I do think part of what you hear when we hear stories like this, and really in, in this show, many times we've had Dr. Douglas Frank on and many other experts who can lay out irrefutable no two ways of looking at it, data that show essentially that there is a major, major election integrity problem in this country. That the reports you see reported on election night are unconnected to, they are not the result of actual honest tabulation of the votes cast. And it's, it's not a question, it's not a theory, it's statistically provable. And also on the show, we've talked many times about how when you can electronically manipulate the voter rolls, when you can add people, and so people who have no right to be in the voter roll as of that date, you've got a bank of voters for whom 
votes can be cast, ballots can be cast because, you know, they're in the voter rolls and then and those names pulled back out afterward. And when you see the pattern repeated, identical pattern repeated in uh, through a wide variety of counties, all the counties in one particular state, and then you see the same thing happening. It's now up to 44 states where that's been shown. I mean, it's one of those, it's kind of parallel universe things. Everyone paying attention understands we have massive, massive election fraud. And, ma and, and we, aren't, we don't have honest elections. And the other side keeps hearing, it's kind of like they hear the Southern Poverty Law Center hate kind of mantra. You hear the, the uh, narrative that's been decided upon, you hear the truth that the left has, or just those in power have decided must be believed. Elections are perfectly secure, the most secure in our nation's history. There's nothing wrong with our elections at all. Everything's perfect. When you hear those kind of mantras over and over and over, and you don't take the time to dive in, to read, to study, to understand what the facts are, you're just going to go ahead and believe whatever it is you're being told must be believed. And this happens, unfortunately, in the arena of election fraud. It happens on all sorts of major issues in this country. If you just listen to the drumbeat, the propaganda media, I often call them, the propaganda media, the drumbeat, we tell you what to think, we tell you what you must think, and you go along, it's bad enough people are just kind of hypnotized and go along. But worse is, even the people a little bit curious, saying, well, I don't think something seems really wrong. I don't think this could be right. And you end up those people being treated as the people in our sh as January 6th defendants were uh, and still are being treated. Over a thousand having been prosecuted, another thousand on the way. Many of them just didn't even get in the Capitol that day, didn't commit any sort of crime. But when they can cook crimes out of thin air and list, you know, for an individual who stood there and prayed in the Capitol grounds for 20 minutes max, facing it is two felonies and seven misdemeanors, and that in their particular case, facing decades in prison, you start to recognize they're not just trying to drill the message down. Here's what we want you to believe. They're telling you, here's the only thing you can say. You can't even say something that might disagree with what we're telling you you're supposed to think. So we have many, many people in the country very, very concerned about election fraud, very concerned about the capacity of election machines, electronic machines to be rigged, to be uh, altered in some way. And in fact, we've talked about in the show before, uh, we've had in the last, whatever it is, 10 years or less, we've had hacks into the most, what should be the most protected computers in the country. Hacks into DOD, Department of Defense, NSA, National Security Agency, the highest level of government should be the most protected computers, as well as hacks into very high level corporations that can afford all these security that can be bought for money and they get hacked. And so somehow what they're trying to tell you when you shouldn't worry about election machines is don't worry. All these other entities, all these other highly protected computers, they can be hacked into, but fear not, your elections are secure. Fear not. So we're going to move into another topic with Tina now, which has to do with the, um, how do we remedy this? I mean, I've been advocating, we've had, in fact, we have Senator Bob Hall on my show just a couple of weeks ago talking about what they try to do in Texas. Can't seem to get any legislature in the country any state legislature in the country to actually take on what needs to be done to get to the point where we have reliable, fair elections. But you've been part of a different kind of project today. In fact, you did something. So yes. why don't you tell our listeners what you're up to today? Well, I'm just supporting some friends uh, uh, that ha I've been around since the very beginning, Mark Cook and uh, and uh, Beth Beasel, Beasel, Beasel uh, uh, that have been 
have come up with a way to count the ballots without using machines. Go figure. Um, and I love the idea. I wish when I was clerk that that we had that that uh, availability. And um, it, it's very simple. It costs about two hundred dollars a station. You the 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 bipartisan team sits there. They call out that when you hear the uh, 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 the person that you're in charge of say say you have me and you we're running against each other and they'll say they'll say uh, Peters and and they push a button it adds a vote on a, on a calculator you know and uh, Jorgados that you know and so it's all manual it's under a a camera and it's a no brainer. It's cost effective. You're not spending hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, it's very scalable. So all you need to do is if you have a bigger county, you just have more, more teams, uh, smaller county, smaller teams, and it's reusable. So it, it's, it's just a no brainer. And, um, you know, the coming back to just real quick, the, the things that I was charged with were not, didn't have anything to do with the electronic voting systems. Yeah. And can I can I can Please I go through do. that for a minute? I was looking at my uh, my indictment. So this is seven felonies, one felony. Uh, and I was told that a lot of times and you guys that have been on the juries out there need to know this. There's a thing called jury nullification, which means if you don't if you don't agree with with the rest of them, you can just say, you know, you are the one. That's why the judge stands up when you walk in the room. If you're on a jury, you are above the judge. It's not the judge, it's you. And a lot of people do not know their power. You know, a, a juror has tremendous power in our, our process, in, our, in our, our, our court process. But here are the things that I was, and one of these, one of these felonies will put me a mandatory one to three years in prison. I have seven of them. And then I have three misdemeanors. Listen to this one. Count one, attempt to influence a public servant. Count two, attempt to influence a public servant. Count three, now these are different people. Attempts to influence a public servant. Uh, conspiracy to commit criminal impersonation. They're supposed to, uh, supposed to make people believe that I impersonated someone to, to do what I did, making a lawful image. Attempt to influence a public servant. Criminal impersonation caused liability. Now, if you look at my bank account, you'll know I haven't profited anything from any of this. Conspiracy to commit com criminal impersonation. Identity theft. How about that one? Identity theft. Uh, first degree misconduct. Violation of duty. Now, that's my duty to preserve these election records. Uh, failure to comply. This is my favorite. Comply with the requirements of the Secretary of the State. Same person that came in and deleted the election records. And, and violation Staggering. of duty. And, and and so these are the things that they are. Leave that open for a second. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Please. Yeah. What I was going to say about that is, you know, I actually, someone recently had told me about that, that the charges against you actually do not involve uh, the obtaining the information that proves that the, the uh, content of the machines were being changed. I mean, it's not that. And so you're, the first three were the same thing of unlawful attempt to influence a public official? Those are different people. Right, so three they, people, so you walked in, go ahead. Well, they wanna say that I influenced our IT department. I went to our IT department and I said, please help me. You know, would you help me and make a backup image uh, of our, no, no, we don't wanna get involved. That's, that's elections, we won't, don't wanna touch it. And then I went to the Secretary of State. I said, you know, we always, I always have been transparent and had the public, the press, 
uh, in when we do anything in elections. And uh, they were very secretive. Nope, nope, we don't want anybody in there. This is not a time for election misinformation is what they, they put in an email. Um, so that was another person that I influenced. And, um, and so those were the things I was accused of, was influencing a public servant. It gets around to, I don't want to get sidetracked on this election point of January 6th too much, except to say, when a prosecutor decides, I'm going to get you for something, you're going to go down, you can take one action and one event, one instance, and when you're a good prosecutor or you're determined to get someone, you can find numerous statutes that all apply to that. And so you charge not just um, you know, not just the one incident, one charge, but you take one incident and you have three or four or more charges. And what Tina Peters is talking about here is exactly what's happening with January 6th defendants. They literally showed up in the Capitol grounds and left, but they entered a Capitol ground unlawfully, entered a secured area unlawfully. I mean, I'm not, I'm paraphrasing the charges, but the point is when you are a juror and you hear nine charges and they all that sounds very ominous and you don't understand the tactic being used it can sound like well that she must have really done something bad listen to all those charges right it, so it we is, have to pick a, a couple and see that's what ends up happening is they will the jurors feel like well we need to split the baby so we'll give the the prosecutor half we'll give the the defendant half and what ends up happening is that person goes to prison you have to find that person as a juror uh not guilty on all of them if right, that's the right. case because you can't say well oh, i don't know okay we'll 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 decide we'll we'll do so half and half. we'll give you a few and we'll give them a few you cannot do that because they, that is their tactic you're right right it is their tactic and for jurors to and i do feel like in, in criminal cases the presumption unfortunately in juries often as well we got to this point, so probably something bad happened. Something happened that shouldn't have, but it's not true at all. I mean, the presumption of innocence really means as a juror, you walk in and you're supposed to be looking at the accused as a 100% innocent person. And only if the prosecutor convinces you beyond a reasonable doubt on each and every charge, should you even begin to consider whether you might find them guilty. And I think you know the prosecutor has a huge advantage in prosecutions because of the structure of the system, because presumptions that people make. But this this renewal of the spirit, a spirit of jury nullification, of juries just saying, I don't like what you're doing, I don't like your actions here, it is needed in this country because we do have a, a dangerous trend in our country, a, a trend of uh, within the federal system as well as in many states, a politicization of the criminal justice system, mm -hmm. a, a decision by prosecutors as well as judges, they're kind of okay with going along with politicizing their office. And so they're going after the political opponents and their people who are on their side who've done similar or worse things are not touched. And this is really, you talk about the loss of America, the loss of rule of law is a huge, huge threat to the future of freedom in America. Okay. That's so right. And, and, you know, just one thing I want to, because I didn't know this. I, I'm a 67-year-old uh, gold star mom, lost my son, never had a, really a traffic ticket or, or any kind of run-in with the law, you know. Um, uh, and so I, 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 I don't, you know, you don't know what to do. Yeah. You think that uh, you're going to be protected by the government that's coming after you. And so when an indictment comes down, people are trained to believe that you've done something wrong. Which, which they don't understand that an indictment, and you know this, Debbie, that an, an indictment is one-sided. It is an accusation 
by the prosecutor to try to convince a group, a, a grand jury, to believe that you're guilty. You don't get to present your side there. No one right. gets to present the other side. It's all from the prosecution. So it's a one-sided, it, it's unfair uh, because there's no one there that can debunk it. And I'll tell you something that I feel that there were things spoken at that grand jury that don't line up with the way things really happened. And, uh, and that's a concern. So unfortunately we have to wait to get to trial to address those things. Yeah. But people need to become educated. They need to become, if you're a juror, you need to understand you are the law. It's right. not the judge. Right, and actually on the grand jury, I don't know the details in Colorado, but in most states, the grand jury issues an indictment because the prosecutor presents evidence. The right. defendant, the person being accused, has no capacity, no lawyer there, no witnesses on their side, no witness, no one telling his side. You don't even know side. what's going on. Right, they don't even know what's going on, exactly. It is a, it's intended Secret. by the process to let a jury uh, that just to decide is there enough here to indict, but the only evidence they have in front of them is what the prosecutor chooses to present. And that is just the way our system has been, but there should not be a presumption, even a slight assumption of guilt, just because they managed with it, with no um, opposition present, they managed to convince a grand jury to indict. Okay, I can't believe we're out of time. This is ridiculous. I'm watching the clock here. <laughs> so Tina Peters, uh, I'm not even getting my last topic. I was gonna blast about uh, Trump and the GOP presidential candidates. I have a lot to say, so I'll have to wait till Monday. Um, I will tell you for our listeners on tomorrow, Thursday, uh, we have Rafael Cruz joining us in studio uh, with the in-studio audience and so I'll have a lot of fun tomorrow don't miss that um, and very quickly for you Tina Peters people can help you by going to give send go dot uh, give forward slash Tina Peters or you can go to my website Tina Peters us and there's also a donate button there and they yeah. can see uh, everything but we've got to uh, we've got to get Donald Trump in office oh there's, sing it to me <laughs> there's there is so they're trying to put to cloud everything and, and 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 split the vote we have got to get the man in that knows what's truly going on that we know has not been bought and paid for and uh, I, i'm and, with you all the way so that he can he can pardon these january 6 people i mean if nothing else we need a righteous president in there that will go in and make things right for these people that have suffered so greatly and uh you know and it could be me too you know i, I you know we're, we're, well, a lot of prayers for you tina peters that the yeah. jury can see through the lies of the prosecutor okay folks we're out of time i close the show every day by telling you why the stories we talked about today matter to you so we started with um splc which is southern poverty law center i should think of a more smart aleck acronym but that's what it stands for explainer on hate and california lunacy splc adds moms for liberty to hate groups because the moms for liberty say Gender dysphoria is a mental health disorder that's being normalized by, uh, who, who could even deny that? By predators, the National Teachers Union met and drafted a proposal to replace the word mother with birthing person. This is insane and insulting to every mom in America. I raise my children. The government does not. We do not co-parent with the government. Uh, this is Charlie Kirk's tweet. Beautiful point. Americans must wake up. SPLC is profoundly anti-Christian hate group. They must be publicly denounced and discredited at every opportunity and recognize their tactic of using hate. This is what the left does on so many issues. If you won't agree with them, you're a hater. And there, it is outrageous and, and dishonest. California lunacy proceeds un unabated. California legislature invites and celebrates vulgar anti-Catholic group onto the floor of the legislature. 
San Francisco's largest hotel, I even let this, didn't get to this story, a largest hotel in Union Square hands over the keys to the lender. No point in continuing. The state is falling apart. It's disgusting and broke. California Governor Newsom is presiding over a moral collapse of America's most populous state. And then, um, you know what? Um, we can't even do the next thing because we didn't get that topic. Hey, you know what? This is, this is we, how we roll in this show. I thank you for tuning in to America Can We Talk. My name is Debbie Georgiatis. My show is America Can We Talk, and our website is americacanwetalk.org. Thank you for tuning in every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. You know what? We... Can we talk truth about America? Can you hear?